Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Hayden Sherman, and welcome to the Zoom Zoom Show. This is our Midworld Champ special show, where Cam Avery and I digest the action so far. This was recorded on Wednesday night, New Zealand time, so basically right smack bang in the middle of world champs but most of the kiwis had already finished up so i think of our 19 athletes we had 15 athletes already back in the sheds and right as we were recording we were tracking the progress of tori peters as you'll find out who finished painfully 13th just seven centimeters off that qualifying 12th place uh, for the final so a bit of heartbreak there for Tori uh, finishing with the best in the qualifying rounds of 59-59 in the javelin now also we didn't talk about these uh, other two results that happened overnight we had Lauren Bruce in the hammer throw finishing with a best of 67-10 so that's about seven meters off of her personal best Um, and so she finished in 14th place 28th overall and it was quite classic during the coverage we we saw Julia Ratcliffe's name as the sole New Zealander in, in that heat so I'm sure Julia was having a good old chuckle back at home in New Zealand watching herself perform uh, at the, the world champs but of course it was Lauren and they just had the name wrong um, and then we also had Georgia Hulls in the 200 metres running fifth in her heat uh, unable to qualify for the next round but finishing 32nd overall in a time of 23.36 so that's about half a second off her PB which was set back in February of 22.84 so solid outing for for Georgia Uh, but it does mean We've got 18 athletes in the sheds, done and dusted. Just one more athlete to go, Madison Weshi. She finishes up on, is it day two and day, uh, second to last and last day of the World Champs? Maybe it's just the last day. I can't remember. I get confused with the New Zealand Times. But anyway, just Madison Weshi to come. And with 18 athletes finished up, you know, Kim and I talk about it at the end of the show, and apologies, it is a long show, um, but we digest each each individual event, and then we talk about overall how we're feeling about this, this World Champ so far, and having completed 15 of 19 athletes, there's definitely some strong highlights in there but definitely a a feeling overall of what could have been, and a feeling of hang on, as a team, it seems like there's not as many PBs or season's best as we might expect, um, particularly in comparison to the world paras where they were running and jumping out of their and throwing out of their skin um, and thro- throwing down lots of personal bests. It seems like our team, were they tired from a big, big year? Were there the setup in terms of accommodation, um, you know, nutrition, um, team support? W- w- were there some issues there? Who knows? It'll be interesting to see as the, the the team comes out, comes back home, and has a chance to reflect on what can be improved. Looking forward to Paris, and I really do hope there's some key learning learning moments in this because there's some big highlights like Jordy and Zoe, and um, you know, a bunch of other top. Tens, but there were some also big noticeable all didn't make the final or um, that didn't go quite to plan and not picking on individual athletes but I think overall as a, as a team there's definitely going to be some right 
let's make some good changes so we're ready to roll. Everyone's peaking right at the right time uh, for Paris next year. So on to the show. And we're away. The final of the 100 metres. Here we go. Tell you what, she's given it a decent old nudge there. Yeah, for 60. That's what she was looking for. The pack is chasing. The pack is trying to hunt him down. So aggressive in her crossover steps as she whips that through. Opened up a 15-metre gap on the Olympic bronze medalist. Can he hold it together? Here he goes, putting his foot down. Well, kia ora and welcome everyone to the Zoom Zoom Show. This is our mid-world champs show, uh, breaking down the action so far and sort of hyping up what's what's yet to come. So we're, we're recording on Wednesday evening, just after 9pm in the evening. I've put my daughter to bed and I've got on online and I've got uh, our expert comments man and reigning national cross-country champion uh, Cameron Avery on the line. How are you, Cameron? Uh, not bad, thanks, Hayden. You know, um, I thought, what's my expertise in? And it's definitely in the 100 and the shot put and all those things. So I thought I'd weigh in my, <laughs> my two cents in all those, you know, as we do. Yeah, and, and we're looking for, a, for a, a spice of controversy and uh, a bit of a bit of humour as well to, to break down what's been happening in Budapest. Um, so what, what we were thinking of doing, we could go through the results um, and basically, yeah, most of our listeners will, will, will know these results, so we won't spend too long going through the actual details, but we'll, we'll try and um, pull out, you know, uh, what, what's our initial thoughts on, on each event, how, how they'll be feeling, how it, it broke down, um, yeah, and, and get a bit of insight into it. So why don't we start on the female side of things? And I had a coaching session today with a bunch of kids and I asked them, you know, have you been watching the World Champs? And most of them said yes, which I was quite, quite stoked to, to see. Um, and all of them mentioned Zoe as the first thing that they they watched and they were stoking on, particularly um, from Taranaki. So they're all like, yay, Taranaki girl. Um, so Zoe Hobbs, 10th overall, uh, missed out just by the thinnest of margins. Well, she, she was 10th and nine got through to the final. So 0.01 was the difference. Um, she ran 11.02 in the semifinal, was leading... Uh, Shakiri Richardson for much of that race as well. And Shakiri, of course, went on to win the title. So, uh, Cam, how good? Oh, Zoe. A- absolutely outstanding. I mean, definitely one of the two major highlights of the meet so far, as from a New Zealand standpoint. I don't think yeah. necessarily a lot of New Zealanders appreciate what we have with Zoe. And they don't appreciate it because we've never had it before. It's never people yeah. don't appreciate the importance of the 100 meters in the global standing of sport. You can look at every single yeah. sport in the world and ask whether or not the best of the best that could be the best in that sport are actually playing it or doing it, right? Um, yeah. The only event that you can be pretty damn confident that isn't the case is the 100 meter sprint. It is the pinnacle event in sport, probably. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that's controversial. It is the pinnacle event in sport, and we have the 10th fastest woman in the world. She's charismatic. She's young. She's got a huge future ahead of her, and we need to – we have a genuine superstar uh, right here, and it's really exciting times. 
It is. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I always say like there's there's two global sports on the planet. One is one is running and the other is football. And the thing with running is the 100 meters is where you start as a kid. And then there's a certain point where you say, oh, I'm probably more of a 200 runner. And then it's like, oh, I'm probably more of a 400 runner. <laughs> it's like you keep going down until like you're, you're targeting the marathon next, right? Aren't you? I, I've, had um, to, so... I've had to drag the bottom of the barrel, mate. I'm still going. <laughs> there's always ultras. Uh, would you, if you could choose, would you prefer to be uh, Tian Welkton and running the 100 meters? I'd prefer, I'd, prefer, I'd prefer to run the 100 metres, that's for sure. Um, I mean, do I want to hurt for 10 seconds or do I want to hurt for two hours? You know, it's it's one or the other. But, um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that's the event that everybody dreams of being able to run. And people often come out with, you know, American footballers or soccer players and saying, you know, oh, my gosh, this person's this fast. Oh, think about what they could do in a sprint. And it's absolute bullshit. It's like there's nobody in yeah. global sport who are, who's faster than the 100-meter sprinters at the global stage. Yeah. And, yeah, so to watch Zoe competing with the likes of Shikari, the likes of Meritalu, the uh, Sotalu, and um, the Jamaicans as well, like – those are global, not just global superstars right now, but they're transcendent athletes of the sport. Shelly Ann Fraser Price, like what is it, the photo I saw of Zoe looking across at her as they went one two in their heat. That's a that is the the mother, the mother of sprinting. Yeah, and Zoe's there with that's, her. That's the, the Muhammad ranks. Ali, isn't it? It's it's yeah. like. You, you've just gone toe to toe with with Ma, the Muhammad Ali of of sprinting in the twenty twenty first century, like, uh, and I think the problem with with women's hundred meter sprinting is, you know, Flojo in the eighties very questionable her, her world records in terms of whether it was clean or not. We don't we don't know, but there's certainly a lot of skepticism about it, and yeah. I, I think that kind of is the only shadow on this crop of women running right now who are running like you say right alongside zoe so well, it's yeah well four of those women in that final are in the top seven or eight of all time yeah. in terms of times and so that was the yeah. most stacked final that's ever been and just it just so happened that three of those four women happened to be in the same heat and zoe drew that that semi-final <laughs> so zoe really <laughs> lucked out or she she got railed basically by that she got heat of death like she had yeah. to go run in that and to pull out uh, an 1102 which if people cast their mind back we've kind of become a little bit desensitized to that 11 second mark because now that's always broken it on a couple of occasions uh one win legal i think yeah. one not like it, you kind of forget about it but to be able to pull out that performance in the most pressurized situation you've ever been in is an underrated skill and so yeah i yeah. uh, gotta take our hats off to zoe um if nothing else this championship can look at that and be like wow this was potentially not the coming out party for zoe but it it's her knocking on the door of hey like the next championship like i put myself there the final will be mine and when once you're in the final anything can happen shikari showed it out of lane nine and i'm so excited to see what happens next there yeah and i really hope we see a bunch of like good kiwi brands get behind zoe and, and sponsor and put put some money behind her because um 
I think one of the gripes that I have about sort of New Zealand Olympic sports is this athletes who cream in the weaker <laughs> events get a lot of the limelight and a lot of the sort of sponsorship dollar. But you, you come top 10 in the 100 meter sprints. And like we talked about, it, it's like being in the top 10 strikers in the world for football or, you know, you, you're right up there, um, like being named in the, the the world 11 for, for football, for example. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really do hope that she picks up some some good sponsors. So if you are a marketing manager of a, a Kiwi um, household name brand, do give Zoe a call because she is definitely one to get behind. So that, that was the first big uh, big event that, that stands out to my mind. And now if we go through the rest of the uh, Team Morty, um, the other two athletes of James Mortimer's sprinters, uh, we had Rosie Elliott who ran in the 400 metres. She ran, uh, she got eighth place with a 52.88, which is about half a second outside her personal best. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, the, the women's 400 metres is, is pretty stacked at the moment. Um, but, yeah, what were your thoughts uh, with Rosie's effort? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, you never want to get eighth in your heat. I mean, nobody does. You, yeah. It's very easy to look at that and be like, yeah, you know, not not ideal. But we can really consider this as Rosie's first, as her debut Worlds. Yes, she ran at Eugene last year, but she had COVID like yeah. three weeks beforehand, only really just got on the plane. And so this was her first chance to really be competitive at that kind of an event. Uh, it probably wasn't what she was looking for, but it also wasn't atrocious. She didn't go out and run a 54, 55. Uh, you know, she didn't blow up like that. She held her composure amongst a very talented field and still ran within a half second of her PB, which is pretty solid. I think she'll build off it. Um, and now that she's finished her transi full transition to Team Morty, I think that's also something that might be overlooked, is that she's completely upended her life from Christchurch and moved up to Auckland. Yeah. And like had totally. a huge coaching change, which has been incredibly, like, a lot more public than it might have been. Um, and we'll get more into that maybe later. But, like, it's just, you know, uh, so, yeah, I would say... Rosie, like solid performance, lots to lots to build off, but she'll use that experience. Yeah, and she said in the Athletics New Zealand press release a couple of days ago, uh, I was quite proud of how I executed my race. The heat was one of the least tough parts of the last few months for me. So, yeah, uh, she's she's been through a fair amount over the last last few weeks and uh, or last few months, sorry, and so. Yeah, it's probably um, maybe the third time around she's going to have a nice smooth build-up to, to Paris 2024. But, yeah, like you say, last year was definitely on the plane having just recovered from, from COVID and barely back running. Um, and this year it sounds like it wasn't, wasn't the perfect build-up either. So moving on to uh, the 400 hurdles and Portia had a really rough one. I really felt for, for Portia. I could see, I think it was the eighth hurdle. She um, looked like she started or just lost a rhythm um, and then clattered into that ninth hurdle. How heartbreaking is that? Hitting that home straight and just eating, eating the Mondo. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know, but I, but I'm sure it's, it's awful. I mean, Portia has 
is no stranger to the big stages. She's been here before, not just as a four-hundred hurdler, but as a heptathlete. And some of the kids today won't yeah, yeah. recognize Portia as a heptathlete, but she was a heptathlete before she was a specialist. And so this won't be her first time falling on a hurdle. It probably won't be the, hopefully won't be the last. Um, but again, this kind of experience is invaluable. And um, I'm really proud of her for, for finishing. I mean, for even getting across the line at all after a fall like that, that's a real show of character. So, yeah, we love Porsche around here. And we really hope that this obviously won't be our last World Championships and she'll bounce back for Paris next year. And, yeah, full full credit to her for, for a great effort. Totally. Now, what scares me about Porsche is that I... If I was in that race, I think she still would have beaten me by about five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, uh, even uh, jumping the, um, or hurdling the women's hurdles. I don't know if I could break 70 seconds. Yeah, so I don't pulling herself off the mat. She still uh, ran 66 seconds, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't think I have the hip flexor mobility to get over a single hurdle. So, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, so thoughts go out to to Portia, and I guess it would have been comforting. Like, did you watch the? Was it the first night or the second night where um, the Dutch team had, like, um, oh, what's her name, Femke, Femke um, Ball on the final ball. leg of the mixed yeah. relay? Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's like yeah. when and you said, a, "Did you watch?" I'm like, I've watched song. it all, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing nothing yeah. else but watching this. So yeah, that was br brutal to watch for the for the Dutch. I mean, and it just shows like people might see someone fall in the hurdles race, like Porsche, um, a layman in on New Zealand streets, and go, "Ah, oh, how can you fall over a hurdle?" Like people fall on nothing. They're the best in the world yeah. fall on nothing with with twenty to go, and it happened. These championships are made for the most dramatic viewing on the first night. Yeah, I was amazing. Enthralled, um by that. Obviously horrified as well. Um, but yeah, poor Dutch team. Uh, two, the two big favourites falling within thirty minutes to go. Uh, within ten minutes of each other. Gosh, I hate to see it. Yeah, and I, like I often commentate at the New Zealand Secondary Schools Champs, and without fail, there's multiple of those occasions, like a few metres from the finish line, crowds roaring, and bam, you go to the deck. And I really hope that those um, kids who have done that, um, and it, it's you know it's heartbreaking, embarrassing all at once. Um, and I hope that they they see like Finka Bol and Safan Hassan, two of the absolute goats have done it um, as well. So, yeah, we're, we're all human and it can happen to the best of us. Um, right, so moving on, the pole vault girls. And this, this to me, when this, this was the, and I think we'll break this down a little bit more because this is my biggest gripe so far with these world champs trying to watch the thing, is how hard it is to see any of the... Uh, preliminary rounds of the um of the field events because you only really see the favorites and maybe the local um so maybe you see three or four jumps or throws um over an hour and a half period and so we didn't i'm pretty sure like did you see any of the kiwi girls on screen i did not no I didn't get to see any of it and over i know that over um in certain countries they have dedicated channels to for each right. uh, event but yeah not having that um on the main coverage was definitely frustrating yeah it's um 
and I found it pretty unwatchable in terms of like booking time out. So I've been watching most of the world athletics just on the, on the bike trainer um, and <laughs> sitting there on the bike thinking, how long am I going to ride here? And um, do I dare try and fast forward and then potentially miss the 10 second clip of Eliza? And Yeah. Uh, but it, Anyway, if you haven't caught the news, Eliza was a no mark. She opened at 4.50, had three misses, and it turns out she's been had the old uh, Achilles has come back. And uh, the last couple of weeks, she's been dealing with Achilles, and it really got her again, um, which is just absolutely heartbreaking for Eliza after all that she's been through to finally get back to the world champs and uh, be unable to hit a mark because of that dirty old Achilles again. Um, and just quickly, Olivia McTaggart uh, declared 4.35 but failed at 4.50. Uh, so she finished 13th in her heat and she'll be gutted with that because she had a good build-up um, just PB'd. Oh no, that was back in uh, February. I think she, she PB'd pb'd um 471 so you would think 450 at the world champs would have been on but unfortunately for her she missed and then uh imogen eris was probably the the pick of the bunch with the well was the pick of the bunch of the kiwis um hitting 450 and finishing 11th in her heat but all three ladies failed to advance which um yeah left a uh, I think a, lo a lot of Kiwis were a, a bit disheartened by that. Like, oh, surely we could get one in. Surely. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Help yeah. me out with my, my sorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough, isn't it? It's rough to see. And, no, from, from what you were saying, I think you're right, both from what I've seen and from what I've heard from people inside the camp after the event. Um, sounds like Imogen was the happiest with hers. Um to get over you know, 450 is, is a sole performance and stuff, but neither she nor the other girls will be happy with that, as they shouldn't be. It's you know, They went to World Champs. They didn't yeah. go to World Champs to, uh, to participate. They are all Olympic or Commonwealth um, representatives at, of the highest caliber. They've all placed top five at one of those two championships. And to yeah. go to Worlds and not qualify for the final will be disappointing. For just not just them, but their well, entire team. They've all got major medals, don't they? Because Olivia's got that uh, World Indoors bronze. No, fourth. Yeah, fourth. I'm not sure if Olivia's got the oh. got the medal because she got fourth at comms and uh, Imogen got third at comms. And I yes. think Olivia was fourth or fifth at World Indoors, but don't quote me on that one. Right. Um, yeah. And then obviously yeah, Olivia. I think with, you're right. Yeah. And then Olivia with the bronze in uh, at the Olympics. But yeah, obviously. They won't be happy with that, but hopefully, the I mean they've got a great they they are a great team just just the three of them alone. But then yeah. with their coaching staff and with their training partners, with everyone that gets involved there, hopefully they've had their meetings, they've they've learned from it, and come Paris they'll be stronger for it. And hopefully we can get not just one, but hopefully all three of them into the final if they indeed qualify. Can we just put like a significant chunk of um, athletics New F New Zealand funding into Eliza McCartney's Achilles? <laughs> man, it, man yeah. is it frustrating? Like, surely there's some sort of prime minister's scholarship for an Achilles. <laughs> it's yeah. uncooperative. 
Well, oh, Eliza is another one of those ones, which, and I'll get more into this, I think, later on. But like, Eliza's, Eliza was, and still has the potential to be another Zoe in a way. Um, Eliza was yeah. kind of uh, the tiding over between the transition between Valerie um, to the new realm of um, of athletes in our sport. Yes, and Tom Tom was yeah. the stable Tom was the stable uh you know the the, the anchor the rudder that uh, helped guide us through but Eliza was the firebrand you know she was the firecracker that sparked all this interest in pole vault and track and field for a lot of young women and young uh, people in our country um, and it's been an incredible story to see her back we're so excited everyone's excited about it and I'm fortunate obviously to have the Achilles flare back up but can't do anything about that sometimes and you just got to look forward and I'm sure she will. And yeah, Paris up next. Yeah. So still to come for the, the women, we've got Georgia Hells running in the 200 meters. So that is, I'll just double check when this is, I'll, I'll get it absolutely right. Uh, so Georgia is tonight uh, mm -hmm. as we speak. So everyone listening will have already known what, what's happened. That's coming up at 10 o'clock. So we'll, <laughs> It will have to be done by then, Cam. Yep. Um, Tori Peters is also going tonight at about the same time in the Javelin. Uh, then we've also got Lauren Bruce to come in the Hammer, which is on Thursday morning, 5 a.m. So set your clocks for that. But chances are we probably won't be able to watch it anyway. Thanks, Guy, uh, for that one. And then, man, Matt, Maddie Wishy, she's got to wait till the final uh, day and a bit of the entire competition so on the Saturday night she's got her qualifying and then on the Sunday morning her final so man she's just got to chill out with her sunglasses on in Budapest and um, twiddle her thumbs for a, for a week before she gets to throw her, her shot for the first time so she'll be the, the finale of the Kiwis but all the dudes have finished up which is crazy that we're halfway through the world champs and all the men are uh, in the in the changing rooms, done and yeah. dusted. Some of which we would have thought will still be going. And there are some, um, a couple of very bitter tastes in, in my mouth in terms of, oh, I'm heartbroken for them and, and um, for what, what could have been. But let's go through the list. So we'll start with Tian Welpton in before the 100 we, meters. Before, before we do, sorry. Hey, yes, sorry, go for it. But uh, I was just going to say, not that I know anything about uh, the shot put again, but Maddie, um, I feel like the extended delay to her her event could actually play into her favour a little bit. You're right, as such a chill, calm, cool individual with the sunnies on, like the extended wait from the start of the championship to the end, watching all your all your peers finishing up their events, probably celebrating and everything like that that's that's a distraction and basically any possible distraction any possible element of variability there is something which could throw people off their game and for someone like maddie who's not necessarily a hot favorite to medal um any kind of chaos like that is good um because yeah. if you can capitalize on staying calm focusing on your plan then she has the potential to make up a lot of ground and so if Maddie executes the right way, I think that could play into her favor. But yes, let's move on to um, the 100. Tian. So Tian uh, ran 10.26 for the 100 in his heat, finishing sixth. Uh, it was the top three to advance. 
uh, he was 0 0.09 of a second away from the slowest non-automatic qualifier. So uh, that was what? how far outside of his PB, 0.12 outside of his PB, and I think he was running into a slight headwind. So you got to think that was a pretty solid debut, uh, a pretty good debut from, from Tian. He seemed pretty happy to be there, but I'm... My take is on it that he will be um, the main thing he'll take it from it is the experience and just like um, Zoe was a couple of years ago, um, entering on the global stage, she'll uh, he'll have that experience under his belt and he'll know now what he needs to work on to to find that extra point uh, one of a second to move up to that next level. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much the same as yours. Uh, I mean, disappointing, obviously, yeah. that uh, not to have two 100-meter sprinters here uh, in both uh, Tian yeah. and Eddie would have been really, really nice. Um, but yeah, Tian performed uh, performed very well uh, to get within 0.14 of your 1-2 of your personal best of the championship is not an easy thing to do um, in that high-pressure situation. So especially when in those kinds of positions, you're not getting great lane draws either. Uh, because Tian mm. was, I think, only ranked 42nd or something going into the event. Um, and he outperformed that, finished 37th overall or something like that. So, yeah, solid wow. performance. He'll be able to... The main thing he'll take away from this is that he's going to get a butt-ton of points because uh, right, being a world yeah. championship, running even a relatively lukewarm time like he ran, he'll still get a ton of points from that because it is a world championship. So that'll help him in his quest for Paris. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, the other thing with Tian is he was all done and dusted opposite of Madison. So I, I wonder if he's just been on like camera duty for everyone, carrying everyone's bags. What do, what do you reckon? Is he uh, I've heard, I've heard living he went, it up in Budapest? I heard he went AWOL for two days. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. All right, so, um, well, let's come back, actually, to the 800 and the steeples, because that was this morning. Um, so we'll, we'll come back to that. But first of all, and this is the one, I don't know if I can, uh, no, I have to watch the 1500-meter final, but uh, when I watch it, I'll be just thinking Sam Tanner would have, could have, should have been there. Um, it was a... It was a pretty tactical race he was in and just found himself in the box of all boxes and just uh, couldn't eke out until he was in the last 100 metres and then it was just too far to, to make up. So he finished eighth in his semi-final in 3.36.58, which last year he finished eighth in his semi-final in 3.36.32. So... Um, He's got to be hating that eighth place in the semis. Um, but, man, he looked really good in the heat. And I just think he was probably the the best-looking runner not to have made that final. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty fair, um, fair assessment there. Like, Sam ran outstandingly in the heat. Uh, Sam's had uh, a mixed bag when it comes to tactical racing in the past. He's had some absolute masterclasses like he did, thankfully, in the heat of these championships um, where yeah. uh, he stayed so patient. He stayed on the rail, followed Mario Garcia Romo, who was fourth at last year's Worlds, 
he followed him and was patient, patient, patient. And then the inside opened up right in that last hundred and he was able to smoothly work his way through into an auto qualifying position without extending too much uh, energy. Um, and then he's had some absolute shockers in the past, which he wouldn't want me to bring up, but things like uh, the NCAA indoor <laughs> championships where he didn't even qualify for the final. I would say that the semi, this was thankfully much further uh, along the uh, that spectrum towards the heat than it was to NCAAs because it was still a solid performance. But you've got to consider the fact that these are the best guys in the world and the 1500, more than any other event this year, has exploded. It has been the most competitive that the 1500 has ever been. Eight guys broke yeah. 330 in the same race and none of those guys were Sam. And so to look at it that way, when you've only got 12 qualifying for a final, and I think 12th this year was about 330 on the on the descending water list, it's, it's an incredibly high bar to clear. And Sam was being patient. He was staying on the rail, which he probably had to do. Um, but at the end of the day, the 1500 comes down to split second decisions and he probably missed his one opportunity um, to follow Jakob when Jakob made his move from the back. And Sam's got enough speed to go with basically anybody in that kind of a field, but he just missed his opportunity and ended up getting yeah. caught behind people who were moving backwards. And in that kind of a field, you can't afford to make those kinds of mistakes. He'll learn from it again. He's one of the youngest there. He's. It feels weird to say he's one of the youngest there because he's also one of almost the most experienced there, but that's because he's been so good for so long. And each one of these major championships, he's absorbing. And he's he's like a little hyper-energy bunny. Um, he'll hopefully put all those tools in his little chest and eventually, uh, hopefully next year in Paris, he'll put it all together. You've got to trust that CK, his coach Craig Kirkwood, will... Uh, put together a plan that'll have him ready to go because he usually does and well i reckon from this we'll likely see sam on the line of the final in paris in 12 months yeah yeah i agree and uh, uh, thoughts go out to craig kirkwood because man what a weekend he had with uh, hayden wild getting injured just before the uh, start of the paris test event for the triathlon so he had to, uh, I think he DNF'd in the end. He was limping along. And so I hope Hayden's doing all good um, now after that little fall he had. I think it was just riding his bike before the race. Um, and then, um, yeah, Sam gets um, gets majorly boxed. And, uh, yeah, I, I wrote up a, a bit of a, an analysis on the Distance Running NZ Facebook group. And when you look at the splits that... Um, that Sam actually ran over that last lap. You know, he came back from 11th place and finished in eighth. So, you know, moved up three places. But during that, he got stuck behind so many guys who that were going backwards and guys on the outside of him were, who were also going backwards. So he was sort of, you know, all, almost all the time had three guys around him who were going in the other direction that he was wanting to go. Um, so he ended up running the same sort of speed as the top guys, um, except for Inga Brixton, who was running about a second and a half faster than everyone um, over that last lap. But it shows that despite having all sorts of traffic to get through, he still had the speed. So 
I I hope Sam doesn't think that it's a, a fitness thing. I hope that he can look at the race and just say, well, this is what happens in tactical 1500s. Sometimes the rub of the green goes the other way and uh, take the take the lesson and, and learn from it and take the the hunger and fuel you fuel you towards uh paris next year because yeah yeah i think um big things are still coming for this man yeah i'm sure sam if sam was upset i'm sure like it lasted maybe like an hour and then he's probably fine (laughs) but i don't think i've seen that guy upset for longer than that amount of time he'll be all right but uh yeah i mean you just gotta look at it same kind of way 1500 as the as the hundred in a way in in terms of it being a generational talent in there, the uh, reigning silver medalist, the third ranked man in the entire, in the world, Mokotir didn't qualify out of the other heats. Yeah. It wasn't even Sam's like you're seeing people not qualify for that final who are some of the best athletes to ever run the event. And can we just take a moment to shout out the new qualification system? World athletics don't usually make r- correct decisions. Um, and when they do, it usually takes a few decades. But this is one that was the right decision. It's amazing to see in the 1500s to see the qualification just becoming all-out racing. Yeah, there's been a couple of people been disappointed because they had really, really fast races, didn't qualify. But you know what? That's the way that 1500s should be. And it's the way that middle distance racing should be. It's not about um, the luck of the draw of getting into a race where you can get a non-auto spot just by being in the lucky heat that's going a little bit faster. No, you got to race the people around yeah. you, and it was it's made for just electric racing so far. Totally. And the problem with the old rule was the last heat was almost always the fastest because they knew, oh, we can all run 335 and get nine of us or however many uh, through to the final. So someone just goes to the front, someone else takes a, a lap as well, and then before you know it you've got nine under 335 or 334 and and bam they're through yeah Um, yeah i agree it's great it was always the most prominent in the 5k and the 5k was where people really got shafted because your chances of going through increased probably about 50 percent if you were in heat two because in the it would be like first five and next four fastest so you just do the math you've basically got uh, if there's only there's 20 guys in the heat and five are going through from one heat and nine are going through, through from the other, it's just like it's just simple maths. You've got such a better yeah. chance of going through. Um, nobody checked my maths on that, by the way. I'm I'm not very smart. So, uh, but yeah, thank God that they've got rid of that and it's just going to come down to racing because we haven't even got to the 5Ks yet. But the 5Ks are going to be yeah. so cool to see the heats. And usually I would just get disgusted watching 5k heats but here i'm going to be real hyped (laughs) awesome now the other sour taste that i had in my mouth uh this morning actually when i saw the final of the high jump when i first saw it come on i was like oh yes i'll be able to watch hamish then i was like oh no that's right oh that happened um and i'm sure that is what it's been like in hamish kerr's camp um thinking about how that that high jump went down he finished in 19th place cleared 222 and 218 on the first uh first chance um and then three misses at 225 and it was heartbreaking to read um 
his his thoughts in the athletics new zealand press release because uh, it was just like yeah don't know what happened it just didn't click i've been feeling good i've been having a good season it just wasn't there and i quite frankly want to go home and i what uh, i miss home um and man i i i i feel for you hamish because that's probably all I'd feel like doing as well. Just heading back uh, to Canterbury and just chilling with, with family and um, yeah. And just sort of forgetting athletics for, for a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, as a Cantabrian yourself, uh, Cameron, how, how was that watching? Um, well, not that we got to watch any of Hamish <laughs> yeah. either, yeah. Uh, but how was it trying to follow the coverage and say, where's Hamish? What's going on? Yeah. I, I have to admit, um, mate, it was one of those ones where I was because we didn't see anything, we couldn't see anything, and it was so annoying. And I was trying to flick through because you know I I'm working, I'm trying to get through before I have to go to work in the morning, trying to skip through all the highlights and stuff. <laughs> and I just assumed that I just missed him, and that it jumped it, he was through. It wasn't until literally later that day when someone was like, "Shit, Hamish didn't make it," and I was I thought they were joking. I was like, "No way." And, but I guess yeah. that's what happens in the high jump. Sometimes people just, it's, it's one of the most technical events and you've got, uh, only three chances for jump to make it happen, which makes it so exciting, but so cutthroat. And unfortunately, it happened for Hamish today. He was one of our big, uh, big chances and to not see him in the final hurt. Um, especially yeah. after having such an incredible season so far, a couple of diamond league. Um, incredible performances and then obviously his Commonwealth win last year really hoping that he could pull it together he was one of the big favorites to get top five um but wasn't to be today uh it's okay uh, Hamish if you listen to this I don't know if anyone actually listens to this but uh Ben will take you <laughs> Ben will take you out for golfing when you get back buddy don't we worry about that yeah just get home love that yeah yeah i i do wonder about the track surfaces because obviously for these world champs they they use a brand new track and the technology is getting from what i hear harder and faster i do wonder what effect that's having on the vertical jumps because i don't know if it's just me but like i don't when i watch the world champs i don't expect to see someone getting 240 uh anymore uh I expect something in the mid two thirties to, to be the winner. And I feel like 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. And maybe it's just cause I don't really pay attention to high jump that much, but I do wonder whether the track technology is playing a part. It seems to be helping sprinting and maybe uh, middle distance as well, probably distance. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder if it's having effect on the, on the high jumpers. I know that the uh, l triple jumpers were struggling a little bit as well um, in terms of hitting the board. Um, a few people overrunning and having to chop strides and stuff. So I'd like to talk to people from the jumps community and get their thoughts because what do you reckon? Would Hamish get a chance to pray? <laughs> and I won't dig the, I won't put you on the spot. But do you reckon Hamish got a chance to jump on that surface before the actual day? Like obviously they get some practice jumps, but do you think days before they got a chance to get in the stadium and have a jump? Um, I'm not sure. Um, in the stadium itself, I would say yeah, chances. 
I'm trying to think if I saw photos from. It's hard to tell because uh, for any big event, any I want to say IAAF gold label, but it's not IAAF anymore. Any World Athletics um, major event, you have to have not only the track, but you also have to have a warm up track. And usually, the warm up track would be the one that they're using for all of the, you know, preliminary stuff. But I'm not sure yes. if they'd opened up the the main stadium for people for this one ahead of time, or if they would have only been doing prep in it you know it's a huge event you don't want to be opening it up before you need to so it's possible no um but as you said i would also love to get the uh, perspective of someone from the jumps community i'm certainly not one of them i didn't make it over um a level number one in the high jump when i was in intermediate school and there were three levels and i didn't even get over one so i am not i am not a jumpy boy i have no vertical my ligaments and tendons are made of uh, lead so I wouldn't know but that was that's an interesting thought um, because obviously the track technology has changed um, from my perspective I mean I know how much in the middle to long distances the shoe technology has changed and I know that that's impacted yeah. alternative events as well through interesting little stories and the don't quote me on this I'm I'm throwing stuff out here right now but I'm pretty sure um, the Greek uh, long jumper, who's the big favorite—I forget his name—but uh, the one who's the reigning world champion. He recently jumped like a huge, like eight mid uh, meter long jump this year, and it immediately got uh, scratched. It immediately got like uh, not allowed because he was wearing like middle distance, like carbon plated spikes, something like that, which wow. were which were illegal. Okay. Um, and he came out with like a ball of quote where he was just like, I can, ju I, let's just say it was eight, six. I don't know if it was eight, six, but he came out and he was just like, I can jump eight, six any day I fucking want. And he came out the next day, different shoes and he jumped eight, six again. And it was pretty sick, but that kind of thing where I know that Tambiri wears like a, a different, like a distance spike on one, one foot. Um, I don't know whether the same, uh, height limits the shoe height limits have always been applicable for high jump for longer than they have in the distance events because it seems like they would be because it's such a an important part like if you're starting from a huge stack i feel like that has been a thing for a while but not sure you might be onto something let's uh let's ask someone who knows what they're talking about next time and we'll hopefully get to the bottom of it yeah <laughs> um yeah, Tentaglo is the um, Greek jumper, if that's, that's how right. you pronounce it. Sounds his like name. a it sounds like a Pokemon. Tentaglo. <laughs> so true. All my fellow nerds out there yeah, will get that one. So I I hope everyone enjoyed that uh, dissection of uh, track technology and jumps from two distance runners. But let's move on to our other expert areas, which of course is the throws. So. Mm. Uh, first of all, um, Connor Bell, what a roller coaster ride he he went on. So first world champs ever uh, in the discus, and he finishes thirteenth with a throw of sixty three seventy two. So he thinks he's out of it, but then they do a review of the Swedish throws throw, um, his best throw, Simon Peterson's, and uh, it turns out that it was a uh, a foul. It was disallowed, so that bumped Connor up into the final where uh he, he performed pretty well and hit a top 10 with a 63 23 in the final and um for young connor you got to say that's a it's a pretty solid day out yeah i mean his debut world championships right and to make the final that's awesome 
Um, and he to, and to go through the ringer as well, the roller coaster there, thinking you haven't qualified, then going you have. You got to go through a huge adrenaline spike there, and to be able to calm yourself down and come out and perform admirably in the final is a real testament. So, uh, yeah, huge by Connor. Um, he's probably the third in my eyes best performance of the championship so far, uh, and he can be really proud of that. He won't get a lot of coverage uh for for that but he should because 10th is 10th yeah. in the world is is awesome so great job connor real excited to see what you do in paris next year mate yeah very cool now onto the shot put boys and there were big hopes for for tom and jacko and at one stage jacko was in second place and tom i think was just behind him in third and then uh sort of round by round they continued to get knocked down and again i was frustratingly sitting on my bike trying to fast forward through heats of some random track race and trying to see what's going on with the shot put um and it was a bit of bit of heartbreak so ryan krauser took it out uh with just an insane throw at the the finish despite having all sorts of problems with his uh calves and blood Plots and things so he threw a 2351 championship record for Brie, the italian had a just stellar a plus plus day with a big pb he got second and then kovacs who seems to always get a, a silver or a bronze uh picked up the the bronze with a 22 12 and so seven centimeters behind tom uh in fourth with a 2205 and then back in sixth place jacko with a 2176 i i was on uh sports uh what's the new sports radio station SENZ, and i was saying to them like i feel like for both of them it was sort of a b b plus kind of performance like if they threw that in new zealand and our domestic summer would be like oh yeah jacko's out to the high 21s tom's into the 22s epic let's see what they do in in august and now we're in august and it's like uh oh what could have been um because they've both thrown a lot further than they did this this season and um yeah it must just be frustrating for tom knowing that he could have had another half meter there and could have easily shot up into into that silver medal position um, and same with Jacko, like he was only what 30 centimeters from 40 centimeters from from a medal. So, um, yeah, it's it's sort of like uh, is this becoming their place now? Like Jacko, sort of six to eighth somewhere around there. Tom in that annoyingly uh, disappointing position of fourth. It, uh, do we think that they can rise up that leaderboard? Yeah, I mean, that's the conversations that I've had with people in uh, in the last few days and stuff. It's, uh, are we fit to analyze? I don't know, but that's the, that's the beauty that, <laughs> that's the beauty that comes with high level sport, right? Everybody's, everybody's a critic and um, uh, like, yeah, Jacko looked like he was set to finally kind of, make the breakthrough that everybody's been waiting for since he was the world under 20 record holder and he's yeah. still yet to kind of yes commonwealth games is good but commonwealth games is commonwealth games and certain yeah. events are not other events and the uh yes. the shot put is not the 100 or the 1500 in the commonwealth games because it's lacking the americans 
uh, and it's lacking a lot of the the big the big yeah, boys, the if you will. Yeah. So we can only really go off um, off world championships or Olympic games or diamond leagues. Unfortunately, Jacko doesn't do any diamond leagues really, so it's hard to tell what's going on. And with, with so it's tough to see him in sixth. Obviously, uh, not a bad performance by any stretch of the imagination, but um, you got to hope that he can really have one of those breakout performances like the likes of the Italian who throws a big PB to jump up into second. You hope that one day Jacko has one of those, you know, and gets himself up into there yeah. and inserts himself and then never lets go. Um, Tom is in a tough spot. Tough. Tom's been around the block a few times, a Halberg winner, best sports person New Zealand for um, a while, like, and one of, and definitely one of the best for even longer than that. And to get fourth at two back-to-back world championships, got a sting, especially when you're coming from a place where he has won before. And now it's looking like for Krauser to lose, he's got to do something really, really wrong. And so if you already know that you're competing for second, then that's got to be really tough. I know Tom put out a, um, was in a news article a while ago or last week or something where he said that I'm still, there's certain things I do that are the best in the entire world. I'm the best, I'm the best at certain elements. And that may be true, but at the end of the day, certain elements don't win you medals. It's all of it together win you medals. And I do hope that Tom can do it. And he's shown his ability across the diamond leagues to consistently place top three. So there's no reason whatsoever that he can't place top three at the Olympic games next year. And I'd say he'd still be a favorite to do so, but he's operating at such a disadvantage with his size compared to some of these guys. And so it's a real David versus Goliath um, situation. And everybody hopes he can get back on the podium. Uh, Everyone likes Tom. Uh, so you never, never want to bet against him, but yeah, it must be frustrating. So he's got that hurdle to climb now of gosh, back to back fourths is you're right. He's probably asking himself the same questions as you just asked me, like, is this his place now? And it's not, but it's a lot easier to say it than to do it. Yeah, totally. And it must be hard, like rocking up and just seeing Ryan Krauser. And if you were like, okay, that body is designed to biff a seven kg shot. <laughs> like when you see Ryan Krauser, even the mullet, it's all part of the package. Like, yeah. um, it must be, it must be pretty tricky because Tom's what must be like six one or something. Um, but Ryan Krauser is probably, I don't know, six eight. Yeah. I think six he's nine. Like he's, he's six eight. I think. He's, yeah. He's a big, big unit. He's a massive guy. Um, and, and and so smooth and um you know accurate across the the circle as well for a big guy uh, but yeah tom tom's beautiful to watch like my my little nickname that i'm starting to work on for him is tommy tornado because when, when you see him he's just like it, it is like the tasmanian devil you know just spinning around that um that shot put circle how fast he is and um so yeah you got to think that um that that mobility he has in the circle is is a cut above the rest but when you've got massive limbs and levers and uh just that strength of someone like krauser it's just yeah it, it's hard to see how you can compete um uh, 
but yeah we'll we'll wait and see and I, like you say i think i think there's something still big coming from jacko I, I don't think we've we've seen the best from him and he's had so many injuries and issues illnesses and through his senior career that you know he's what is he now like 28 late 20s like he's probably got the global um experience and sort of continuity of training of more like a 25 year old so um i i reckon there's still a, a couple more years of 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 improvement left left for jacko and tom i think it's just how hungry is it is he how how much does he want it and how much can he get up from another fourth and, and get after it for next year yeah so um moving on to the the middle distance events this morning so we'll start with with the 800s and it was how good was it to have J both james preston and brad mathis in the 800 uh i think it should be a, a goal of athletics new zealand to just have every uh distance event to have a black singlet in there um, and to have two black singlets in the 800 that was awesome yeah it was and they both ran pretty solid races i'd say um brad probably the better of the two, uh, but also he was in a different heat, which was going quite a bit faster than James's. And so, yeah. I mean, it was interesting to watch Brad because he really, I mean, if he'd pulled it off, it would have been a tactical masterclass because if anyone watched it, yeah. after 200 metres, he was 10 metres back, right off the back of everybody. And it didn't look like they were going that quickly. They were going quite rapidly. And so suddenly he looked quite smart. Like, oh, he's back on after... You know, uh, 500 meters. He's back on the back, but it's a long, it's a long way to go from there. When everybody in there are some of the best guys in the world, so whether or he, I don't know if he regrets not inserting himself more in there, um, or if he, I mean, he it was the second fastest time ever. So it's tough to say yeah. whether or not he could have improved any more than that, and or whether he would have blown up more by being in the pack a half second further up at 400. Um, I think he still ran pretty well. He was pretty proud of his effort. But again, not what he would have been looking for because both he and James will have been looking to qualify for semis. I think I saw him say that his goal was to qualify for the semis. And yeah, to not get that. Okay, we're back after a slight technical uh, difficulty. So if uh, we cut Cam off there, it was just that the internet dropped out. But luckily... It uh, sounds like we saved, saved the rest of the show. So we were uh, just talking about Brad Mathis's performance. Uh, pretty solid, second fastest time of his life. Uh, ran really tactically well um, behind an incredibly fast start. Um, held back uh, early on in the race and ran through reasonably well to fifth in his heat. Um, and then James Preston, sixth in his heat in 146.75. Um, and just behind Peter Boll, who also missed out on making it through. Um, you've got to say that's that's pretty solid for a debut at World Champs for James. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Brad had the uh, the benefit of last year performing at in Eugene. Um, he got the selection nod and stuff, so he had a little bit more experience maybe at the top end than James did. Um, but yeah, I'd still think that was a really solid debut. Same kind of thing for the guys like Connor and, um, and all the debutants. It's, uh, it's tough to insert yourself into that kind of an environment if you've never been there. And I think James held his nerve pretty well. He was, uh, right up there. He kind of had the opposite approach to Brad in a completely opposite heat. 
they were going out fairly slowly. They only went through, and I think, 53-6 or something like that. And James was right there behind the leader, poised. Um, but again, the best. these are the best uh, half-milers in the world, and they've all got wheels. Yeah. And James has unfortunately not always had the best of luck this season when it comes to getting into races that would simulate that kind of an environment. He keeps getting shafted into B heats uh, in the European yeah, circuit. Yeah, what's going on, eh? It's, um, it's just, yeah. It seems like there's a bit of politics behind the scene, eh, in terms of working yeah. with meat managers. and There absolutely is. It must be frustrating. Jay, it must be. And it's and it's really tough because there are so many politics when it comes to those um, to those meets and the qualification for them and the selections for the top heats. But James has consistently proven himself to be a 145 to 146 guy. He shouldn't be getting put in B heats at these European meets. And he keeps getting done. So is there a conspiracy? Not sure. Illuminati potentially confirmed for James. <laughs> um, but um, I guess so that's, that's the top field he's versed all season where most of those guys will have competed against equal quality fields um in the build-up so they've had that experience james has been having to race himself and other guys in a lot of his races so i'd say great experience chalking it up um and he'll probably have learned maybe the most out of anybody uh out of those out of our debutants because the 800 is just an event that without that experience you're not it's so hard to emulate unless you're a freakish talent so yeah no, yeah. proud, proud of James, proud of his effort. Yeah, totally. A- absolutely agree. Um, so those two boys are one and done in the 800. And, but the other big race this morning, which was a big highlight for me, and uh, like I say, going for uh, training sessions with, with the kids this afternoon, um, there were quite a few of them were talking about Geordie Beamish's 3,000 metres and storming home with a massive kick to come from. I think he was in seventh or eighth at 200 metres to go, moved his way up to fifth. Um, only two seconds off the bronze and uh, just just absolutely storming home. Fifth in a event that he has only raced, what, six, seven times? Yes, yeah, something like that. He's only been doing it for six months. The kid's a bloody freak. Um, gosh, but yeah, I mean, I've I've been racing Geordie since we were since we were little tots. I haven't raced him in a, a number of years now, but we were in the same team together yeah. back in secondary school. And he's always just been a talent. He's been someone you've known was going to be a beast with whatever his body could basically handle. And unfortunately, that's often proven to be easier said than done because his body hasn't always responded well to um, the rigors he's been trying to put it through to compete at that elite level. Uh, he struggled with the to maintain the training demands necessary to get through multiple rounds of a 5K, um, and he's uh, not necessarily shown the consistency necessary to hang with the guys in the 1500 through the middle stages because he has a real problem and he's admitted in the past where he loses his focus sometimes in the middle of races and everybody does but geordie yeah. maybe it's more uh more noticeable because of how devastating his kick is and when he uses it late it shows how much room he has made up so in somebody else it probably isn't as noticeable but in geordie it's huge and thankfully he seems to have found that little sweet spot of the 3k 
where he's able to it's it's able to be slow enough that he's in contact for long enough to keep himself in but it's not long enough yeah. for him to really lose that um that kind of focus either so it's that nice little sweet spot and to to have only run seven or eight steeples and to be fifth in the world i mean i watched his first steeple and it was it was <laughs> a sight yeah it was a sight to behold his first steeple at mount sack i mean <laughs> he was he was out kicking like some of the like one someone who was maybe like a borderline all-american in the ncaa for the win and now he's yeah. kicking down generational talents in the steeple to be knocking on the door of a global medal and to score our best ever finish by a male on the track at world championships i mean yeah you're right who that, does that? that is epic yeah when you actually put that in context like the the male runners have come before him you know adrian blinko nick willis the robertsons it's like man he's the top wow <laughs> and yeah. he's just started this event like what what is to come and i do wonder with the steeples like you, you mentioned that sort of falling asleep and it's around that two-thirds mark i wonder whether having to jump over an immovable object every uh 100 meters or so is that just remind it like stay in the game stay in the game there's something to think about constantly and i do yeah wonder if that's going to be um a big help but obviously that that change of pace that he's got like bringing that into the steeples as we see with al Bakali, like germa the world record holder cannot beat al Bakali because of al Bakali's kick and the exciting thing about beamish is we're like okay beamish has that kick all he's got to do now is take that 813 and make it 803 like i say all but you know if he can get down to very close to eight minutes all of a sudden he's going to be in the, the conversation in that last lap and you do not want geordie beamish in the conversation in that last lap if you don't have a kick so um the the pieces are all there for a really exciting future for for geordie in, in the steeples and i'm i'm stoked to see to see this change um now a bit of breaking news and i, I don't want to give this away too much but um for those uh if you're going to watch this later cam um you probably won't be able to watch it anyway, but Tori Peters is throwing the the early rounds of the javelin, and she's currently sitting second in her heat in in round two. Uh, so this everyone takes three attempts, remember, for these qualification rounds. So she's sitting second with a fifty nine fifty nine. The auto entry to the final sixty one fifty, but no one from her heat has hit that mark yet. So looking pretty good so far uh sitting second so we'll we'll, we'll watch the space um so that rounds out the results so far for worlds now what's your what's your thoughts so far overall um why don't we talk the new zealand team um and then we can talk maybe overall feeling of of this world champs and sort of the state of the sport right now yeah uh go away Cam. all right so obviously we have people to come um, with Maddie and Tori and Georgia um, and hopefully they can have incredible events. But looking at it purely through what's happened so far, um, Geordie and Zoe, Zoe probably being top one, Geordie being very, very close second, performances of the meet for me. Connor, really, really good. 
but let's not um, let's not mince our words here. It's not been a great championship for us. It's not like yeah. we can look at this from a really optimistic side. We can look at it from a really pessimistic side, or we can take the logical, realist, realist approach. You could say, "Oh my gosh, everyone's done so well. Everyone's performed." so hard it's been great and everything like that they're all going to take so much experience or we can say well we didn't take uh, a single medal home from these championships unless maddie tori and uh georgia can pull something out of the bag in these last few days then we're probably going home and, in a second. and lauren we've got lauren and, and sorry, well. sorry 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 and yeah. i knew i was yeah. missing somebody i knew i was missing somebody yeah, lauren okay. please Lauren, please don't beat me up. I know you could, but please don't. Um, uh, <laughs> she, she definitely but, could. Yeah, but um, <laughs> like the likelihood is that we're going to go home from a second straight um, senior outdoor worlds without a medal. And that's disappointing. It's not um, the be-all and end-all, and I'm aware of that. But we've got to look at these things from a realistic standpoint, which unfortunately includes the layman's and the public's perception. And the public perception unfortunately, often rides on silverware. And the the ones who definitely rely on silverware are funding opportunities, the yeah. NZOC. Yeah. And so to go home medalless after um, a pretty damn good year where we had probably three solid medal chances, Tom being a very solid one, Eliza being a pretty – like an actual medal chance like she was not that i was looking at at bookmakers or or betting websites but she was uh she was paying the the, the third least odds to win that pobo and then uh hamish being the commonwealth champion and one of the top five guys in the world this year was a genuine shot and to have all three come away empty-handed and to have hayden uh, sorry hamish and eliza not be able to call her for the final Obviously, they have their own reasons for that and stuff, and I'm not blaming them at all, but it's a disappointing, um, like, championship for us. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it is disappointing. Um, so the question then becomes, like, what went wrong as a team? Because we oft, people often look at it in a very individualist sense, and they look at the individuals yeah. and they say, oh, let's hear what their statement was. But, like... We, I think that it's also important to to get the statements from the the wider the wider sporting body and stuff because you know maybe everything was provided and you know that there was the best chance for our athletes to do as well as they possibly could and everything was perfect and there is a chance that that is the case but without transparency for that we don't really know and athletics New Zealand bless their souls haven't always prided themselves on being incredibly transparent. Uh, and that's never been more apparent than this year. So I would like to see a little bit more of it. I'd like to see some statements because if the All Blacks came back from the World Cup this year without making it out of the pool stage, you wouldn't just be hearing um, Sam Whitelock giving statements and that's it. You'd hear coaches. You'd hear yeah. um, you'd hear the NZ, uh, New Zealand Rugby Union officials giving statements. You'd hear them talking about what went wrong, what are they going to do better, how are they going to do better, what's the next steps. And if we want to be treated, as a mainstream sport here in New Zealand, and we don't just want to be a lawn bowls who's only important every four years when the Commonwealth Games or Olympic Games rolls around, then we need to embrace the negative side of the sport as well as the positive, and we need to come out in front of these types of things and be like, look, like we want to do better, and we're going to do better, and this is how we're going to do better. 
Yeah, totally agree, man. Yeah, good, good words. And I, I sort of look at the difference between our world paras team, and you know, you don't want to get in the comparison game too much between um, paras and the able-bodied world champs. But the fact that our eight eight members of the world paras team went over and won nine medals and I you definitely can't compare medals but they came back with six Oceania records so and I think one PB as well so I think that's the the big difference is that we haven't yet seen a personal best let alone a, a national record and like you say I, I don't I don't put the blame on on the athletes at all and we might still have four uh national records and personal best out of the remainder remaining athletes that are still to come um and obviously some events are, are tactical um as well so that, that's the other aspect of it but um it is concerning that there is a distinct lack of personal best when it's a fast track it's amazing warm still hot conditions so you would expect uh for personal best to happen so that sort of puts the ball back in like okay what's the accommodation like what's the setup like are they being looked after in terms of uh food and um not having to you know stress about going down to the supermarket and finding their their refueling stuff or you know all those little things that make me wonder what's what's the setup of the 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 tour like mm. uh, is the is the team working well as a team as the the admin staff um yeah really making the athletes job really easy in terms of just being able to focus on what they're doing out in the stadium so exactly yeah, I, I totally i totally agree there needs to be a look at that what's going on behind the scenes it is one of the issues that we have that that to get points to get performances like you need to be at the meets like take james preston for example you're traveling around europe you might be staying on couches and backpackers or you know doing all sorts of stuff to try and make it happen and you're in b heats at these meets and like what a mission it is to try and get those points and you're spending so much time in europe i mean hamish kurt he wants to come home mm. <laughs> he's ready to come home um so it is a massive difference compared to someone who's like in germany right in the heart of the the action or in france or in britain and they're, they're staying at home they're just catching short little flights to to meets um so yeah we've definitely got a really big challenge coming from this part of the world with a small governing body with a tiny budget um so it's yeah unique challenges um but yeah mm, absolutely. it will be interesting to see how how this all comes out and i think it'll uh, the it's we're sitting on a knife edge right now in terms of whether this is a success a successful world champs or a, a not so successful one and i i think these last four remaining uh results are going to be pretty key and just looking tori's now fourth in her heat mackenzie little throughout a massive 63 45 so she's the australian um so she's booked her place in in the final but right now tori is sitting on the cusp she's on 12th 12th overall so come on tori one big last throw and get yourself into that final absolutely finally oh, oh, um, before we go before we yeah, move on yeah, from yeah. that sorry and um sorry i don't mean to 
to keep no, no. Uh, flogging a dead horse here, but um, um, <laughs> I just, away. No, I just wanted to point out how much of an opportunity, not just New Zealand Athletics New Zealand, but every governing body in athletics has over the next 12 months, whether they understand it or not, because um, people have been talking for, for months and years about trying to get a Netflix um, Drive to Survive style TV show following athletics to bring attention and drama to the sport and gl- like truly mainstream it the way that F1 has managed to do to the yeah, motor yeah. racing. That is happening. It's not just happening, but it's happening right now, and it is occurring. They are oh. they are filming. They have been filming this year the top men's and women's hundred meter sprinters, and so in the in the lead up to Paris. So in the new year when this comes out, and the amount of drama that's happened at this year's Worlds in the one hundreds, it's going to be huge, which will bring not just uh, attention to the sprints, but to every athletics event. And with somebody like Zoe that we have, this is uh, an actual attempt or opportunity, should I say, to completely revolutionise the sport here in New Zealand. And if I don't mean to act like I know what I'm talking about here, but if Athletics New Zealand want to get ahead of this thing, then we need to get our shit together. And we need to work out how we want to market our sport. Are we content to just keep doing as we've been doing and throwing a little bit of money at the top people and hoping that they're going to do well. And if they don't, we just to go heads in the sand and then chalk it up to another championship and move on. Or are we going to try to really take this bull by the horns and showcase what we've got to offer? And I hope it's the latter because um, we can't just let scandals like have happened this year with the Robertsons doping and the coaching scandals like we can't just brush those aside and go ah people will forget in a week or two it's like people don't forget like that type of stuff stains the sport and it makes people less likely to follow it and it doesn't make it it doesn't make it more likely that they'll uh, forget just if you don't comment on it it's actually probably the opposite. They'd rather see the sport come out with strong stances and show what they're going to do moving forward. So I would encourage those at the top, if you're listening at all, one, please don't hate me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a dude. And two, um, let's like, let's work together to really like listen to the athletes and let's create a, a culture of athletics, not just, hope that one's going to form in the wake of a superstar because it can happen, but it's a far less, it's a far worse bet than creating that yourself from the ground up. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's fickle. It just takes that, uh, that superstar to get an Achilles injury or, or whatever it might be to, to derail it. eh? It needs to be more of a tidal wave um, rather than just one single, person leading the leading the charge exactly so so true now um how about the the world champs in budapest overall how have you enjoyed watching it so far um how would you how would you rate it like the the city itself and the stadium looks stunning Uh, i never knew that budapest was was such a gorgeous looking city um i've never been to hungary but 
kind of makes me want to go and it looks like they get amazing summers as well yeah it's, no, hot. it's looked pretty cool hasn't it um yeah i'm uh, excited for the rest of the championship because the stuff that's happened so far has just been awesome um i'm trying to think of highlights for me we've already discussed a little bit about that first day madness with the two uh dutch women falling yeah. uh obviously brutal but that's the type of thing that turns heads and uh yeah huge upsets across the board as well um from even from valerie Ullman um this morning in the in the discus yeah. for the Amer yeah. her american counterpart to throw a four meter personal best oh my god that was insane <laughs> um nigh unbelievable so gosh it was yeah um i'd like to hear your thoughts as to how you've enjoyed it because obviously i'm a i'm an enjoyer of the sport i do the sport and stuff but you're you're an employee of the sport you literally like you you, you <laughs> live this sport so what are your thoughts hey, let me turn let me turn it around on you Henry. yeah I, i've got to say the coverage has been driving me up the wall and i this is pro probably when i'm on commentary everyone's like uh this coverage of <laughs> the new zealand athletic chefs is driving me up the wall but i honestly it's so frustrating trying to follow uh field events in particular and just the drawn out uh, I, I put my stopwatch on to see how long they're spending on heats so heats of 110 meter hurdles will take five minutes of coverage and then they'll go and spend two minutes. So I've, I've timed all of this stuff and I want to write to World Athletics and, and put my two cents in, but two minutes to one jump, say from a triple jumper. So they'll have multiple replays and reactions, but you see nothing of the other jumps. And then they have a long shot of, a, um, of, the, sta of the stadium and the city, and then it's back to another heat. And so you're getting in the space of 10 minutes, you're getting one heat on the track, which lasts 13 seconds. Then you get one jump, and then it's back to the start build-up of another heat. So I, I, the action that you see on screen is just so slow. And, yeah, by the time you get to finals and stuff, it's good watching. But it's just so painful and slow early on in those meets especially when there's other stuff that they could actually be showing. So mm. you, you see in the background, there's guys doing a high jump and there's women throwing a discus and you don't get to see it. And it's just, it, that absolutely does my head in. So I think um, the the coverage has been a, a, a shocker in, in big parts. And maybe if we had those options of being able to look at the field um, on a different channel would be good. Um, but yeah, athletics has really got to look at how they're displaying it and look at things like split screens, look at things like compilations of um, every athlete's best throw um, and then just do a, a you know two minute bring up to speed of, of the, the best throws and say a, a shot put qualification round. Mm. Um, so I'd love to see something like that, but they're really not capturing people's imagination by spending five minutes on a heat and then yeah. doing stuff like introdu introducing your heptathletes for every single event like yeah again. it's you introduce them once and then for the last event um like you don't need to keep doing the introductions it's yeah yeah i totally think anyway i think you're totally right there though like there's 100 percent a case to be made for i mean 
it doesn't take a genius to watch this coverage, look through, and go, well, all of this is crap. Like, this can be cut. Like, yeah. why why do you have to go down? I understand. I do. Don't, don't get me wrong. I understand the fact that they go down the line in each heat for the sprints and show every single person. I get it. Okay? Like, that's fine. But it takes so damn long. Like, as you were saying, five it's minutes so for a long. heat of the hurdles, you could just show the, um, like, do they do that for everybody at, let's say, for the rowing championships? Like, no, they just show the boats. Yeah. They have a little um, thing saying who's in the boats. And then there's a couple of shots of them like lining up ready to go. And then boom, they're off. All right? We could just have that. To be fair, I know that it's about the coverage of the athletes. But the field event athletes are the ones who get shafted here. And even yeah. if you say, well, we got to show it all, then have these people never heard of split screen? Like, split screen is <laughs> so utilized at so many levels in so many sports. And I just don't understand how our largest event can't show a track event that's happening on one side and a field event that's happening on the other. It's pretty simple to do, and it would improve the watchability tenfold. Like, today, in the, the high jump final is a perfect example. We didn't even get to see the drama unfold. The drama was unfolding, but we were watching the steeplechase, which I'm happy about because Geordie was doing so well. But then we would get over there, yeah. And it's like, oh, Tamberi's jumping. Oh, he's already got, oh, he, he missed it. Oh, but he already won. And I was like, well, how was I supposed to know that? I don't know. I hadn't seen it. Like, there was no, yeah. there was no excitement built. And they're cramming everything together to try to create better TV schedules, which is great. But if you're, if you're actually cutting out the most exciting parts by doing so, then what are you really doing? There shouldn't be a single shot of the outside of the stadium because there is never a moment where nothing is happening inside it. I never want to see the outside yeah. of the stadium in my life. Don't show it to me. I don't want to see any of Budapest. <laughs> like, get that shit off yeah. my screen and get somebody who's actually competing on there, please. Yeah, and and the Karsten Warholm putting deep heat onto his legs or whatever it is that you see, like before he comes into the stadium, like there's a, there's athletes competing at the biggest stage of their life, and you've got Karsten Warholm out the back. He doesn't want to be filmed. No one wants to see him. We could see this on social media anytime that we wanted, and it's just yeah. There, there's some stuff that I'm just like what are they doing yeah speaking of but, Carson um, Warholm um because I'm chronically online and I see this kind of stuff uh, the Carson Warholm um <laughs> a bit of juicy tea that you may not may or may not have heard about yet and is that I'm excited to see the final of the 400 hurdles to see if he gets DQ'd because oh, Carsten, oh I've seen this, oh, you've I, seen this? I have yeah. seen this I don't know yeah. if our listeners will know but Carson Warholm has come under a little bit of heat over not just his semi-final, <laughs> but a meet earlier in the season where, as he's going over the hurdle, his lead leg actually doesn't clear the hurdle. It's he's left. Oh. He, he leads with his left. He's going around a left-hand bend, and it's on the, inside, of the, it's the inside of the hurdle. And then his trail leg clears it. His body clears it, but the leg hasn't. And that is not legal. And there is a pretty yeah. clear shot of his semi-final of his foot beside the hurdle not over it and the italians allegedly did file a protest but it was too late it was past the, stat the statute of limitations had, oh. had passed and so he's in the final but if he wins this 
there will people will be combing. I wouldn't be surprised if the Americans <laughs> put in a protest like before the race even starts, just to make sure they get in on time. Yeah. And then they review and they'll review every <laughs> single hurdle that he hits, and they will be checking that foot. And don't be surprised if he finishes that race, and the results are different one hour after than when they are uh, when they cross the line. Uh, I'm so excited. Oh, It'll be it will be crazy if he gets DQ'd, but it will be pretty juicy. Well, do you remember in Doha 2019, Portia Bing got done for the exact same infringement. She got DQ'd uh, for really? the lead leg going on the inside of the hurdle. So, and this was a thing that she's like, "Oh, I'm new to the sport, and I've got to get that right." And <laughs> Carsten Warholm should not be doing this. He's not new to the sport. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be fascinating. Yeah. Now, also fascinating, Tori Peters is thrown her final throw 54 46 not a not a memorable one but she's sitting bang on 12th so there's she cannot be uh if she's got oh five athletes four athletes still to throw and if one of them throws further than her 59 59 she is out so she's right on the cusp oh come on dory stay in there stay in there Right, I think that's about enough for us, um, Cam, because we've got to go and get some sleep so we can get up early and watch some more, some more athletics. So all the best uh, this week for you, for your lack of sleep, and thank you so much for your thoughts and, uh, and wise words and a uh, little bit of controversy thrown in there as well. Um, always, always great to chat. And as we speak, the Brazilian has just taken down Tori Peters from her 12th spot. Ugh. She's now on 13th and will not, unless there's some other thing that comes in, uh, like a foul that we saw with Connor. Um, she will not take any further part in this world champs. Gosh darn it. Okay, so you hit it here first. Well, you wouldn't have because you're, this will be far after the event itself. But uh, thanks again, Cam and... Um, hope everyone's enjoying the coverage and enjoying uh cheering on our team and i just want to say one more time we are really really proud of all 19 athletes over there you guys are doing the black singlet uh proud and we are um, stoking for you all any last words cam oh only that um we've we've talked a lot of a lot of crap today and i've given i think i've given athletics New Zealand more than their fair share of share of heat but i did want to point out that how thrilled not just myself but everybody was to take a full squad to this world championships it would not be the same without that and i'm so glad they decided not to pull a team great britain and send their whole squad there it's been awesome and i've enjoyed every minute of it yeah yeah yep totally all right everyone we'll catch you later see you later mate